This is John Zaninovich. Welcome to Move My Mass. You'll be hearing from great guests talk about balancing life and being fit. You two, welcome to Move My Mass. Cannot wait to get into this today. Been thinking all day about all the different avenues we're going to be going down as we talk and because you guys cover so much. I mean, you are so talented, uh, you know, Catherine, with your yoga, your massage, your different types of yoga, and you've just taken all the time in the world to master those skills. And Stephen, everything you do, it's crazy. And just from what I thought you did during the during the, today when I was preparing versus now after talking to you, I'm like, oh, the list is so long on both of you. But your sound therapy, your breathing exercises tattooing, your artwork. I, I know I'm missing things, but we will get into it as we go along here. But yeah, you, the both of you have taken it to such a level, and I know how much time you must have put into it, how much care you put into it, because you have the greatest hearts that I know, both of you, and your generosity, you know, going from mastering your arts to owning a business to co-founding White Wolf Wellness, you know, a, uh, a preventative wellness organization that is going to be so great for the community, nonprofit. Uh, what you've already done is amazing. Can't wait to hear more about it tonight. Uh, so let's just get into this. And why don't you tell me how you went from your arts, mastering them, owning a business, starting White Wolf Wellness. How did, how did that progression happen? Hmm. Um, well, thanks Thanks for having us here uh, to talk with you, John. We're big that, fans of yours as well. Yeah, and that kind introduction to yeah. you was really nice. Yeah. It didn't do you justice. You guys are so kind. <laughs> There's just so much out there in the world and so much to learn, so it is an ever-evolving process. You know, you start to get interest in one thing and you start to explore it and then doors open up and opportunities um, present themselves that you never would have thought of in the beginning. Um, and that's kind of like the the progression from going from being, you know, a massage therapist and a yoga teacher mm -hmm. to owning our own business and wanting to start this nonprofit, which focuses on preventative health care. It's just one thing after another led to the next, led to the next. Right. And here we are today. Yeah. Just a real continued unfolding. And, you know, I think what brought both of us to the practices initially was suffering, you know, in pain and um, which is something that every human being can relate and find common ground on because we've all suffered. A lot of us are suffering right now more than others too, you know, and so that gets your attention. Um, me personally, it was injuries from sports. I played college baseball. Mm -hmm. um, so just playing, you know, a variety of sports my whole life, I tallied up some injuries, you know, and also overdeveloped parts of my movement patterns, parts of my musculoskeletal structure to be better at the sports that ended up hurting me just as a human being later on, you know, caused aches and pains and asymmetries that I found yoga was, you know, suggested to me. And so I was immediately drawn to the physical relief of my pain. But it didn't take long before it just kind of invites you deeper because unlike a competition or training for something, or even if it's just aesthetic physique, you know, um, 
yoga lets you explore yourself through yourself. It's some quiet, mindful time to just be with yourself. And that to me was like, it was everything in one package for me, you know, and there was no harmful side effects. And I got to kind of determine a a lot about the intensity and the rhythm and and how I practiced. And the more I learned about it, just, I mean, it's like Catherine's saying, it, it is a ever unfolding lotus flower, which gets used a lot as a reference in the yoga world, but it's, right. it, uh, yeah, it just, it just never stops. Um, I have a friend who likes to say, you know, we, we're, uh, we're trying to live forever or die trying, <laughs> you know, that, yeah. you know That's, we're going to live forever or die trying. You know, so. <laughs> so what, what was the moment like, or there must've been a moment or maybe it was not a moment when you decided, okay, we're no longer going to run our business. We want to branch this out to your organization? What was that process? Well, we started the nonprofit while we still had another business, Samsara Wellness Center here in Bakersfield. Um, We started the nonprofit because we do a lot of community work. We love serving the community. Um, And the way we both got started in yoga is like I was in college taking classes. After college, I was kind of broke. Um, I gravitated to yoga because it helped me with severe depression and anxiety and drug abuse. Like I was straight up drug addict for a while and yoga relieved me of that. So after college, I wanted to continue to practice yoga. I didn't have money. So I did a work trade program and Steven similarly started getting really involved in yoga through a work trade program. So that was something we were always like, when we have our own space, we'll always have a work trade program. But um, so we started that work trade program. We've always done free community events because we believe like the stuff is powerful and it can help you heal beyond what you think, you know. And, and, and our, our community events were designed to partner with other nonprofit and community minded organizations, too, just to sort of amplify that that energy and that intention to let's celebrate things that make us well and healthy and, you know, that. You don't only have to go out to a bar to, to be social and to hang out and have fun, you know, or, or whatever. You can also go to a park and just be outside and celebrate your breath and your body. And, yeah. Um, or the Bakersfield Museum of Art and check their mm-hmm. amazing gallery after class or yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it isn't, it's, we, I can't get over the organization. It is something our community, well, all communities need, but it is something so good for Kern County and Bakersfield. Yeah. So what, Specifically, what are some of the things offered? Well, so we're always looking to be grant funded. So that was something that we started from the beginning. We want to be grant funded so we can provide community classes out in the community. So before COVID, we were going to Wasco and Tehachapi, Arvin, Delano, Bakersfield, um, and going into community centers, places that maybe people wouldn't necessarily like have access to yoga because there's not yoga studios in every small town, but um, maybe benefit from trying these things out at their community centers. And it was all geared, a lot of it was geared towards like mental health too. Um, And just helping people learn how to breathe to reduce their anxiety, move so they feel better in their bodies. There's there's a lot of reasons why certain people don't choose not to do yoga or haven't found the the practices that we try to share. And that's, you know, for whatever reason, that's fine. But we never wanted money or location or anything to get in the way of somebody being able to to find access to these things if they can help them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that was really our driving goal: is to like let's make this accessible. You know, mm-hmm. there's I I love going to a nice yoga studio, and I don't mind paying for a class. But um, we like having that. I think that 
uh, it's time that uh, as a culture, we start to recognize the importance of preventative care and meditation, breath work, and yoga are just really simple ways that people can access some easy to use tools that can help with some of the biggest problems we're facing today as, as people, you know, anxiety, depression, mental illness, and not to mention, you know, just your physical well-being and physical health. And mm-hmm. um, so we, we, we want to bring access or provide access to communities that might benefit from it but don't have it, you know, is really. And, and we don't just see yoga as something you do on a yoga mat for an hour long, mm-hmm. you know. Really, we try to be yogic about everything we offer. I mean, you know, dancing can be yoga. Arts and culture is yogic. Um, I think anything that helps us tap into our humanity you know, and, and does more to bring us together through our, our, our joy and, and the things that we can celebrate versus trying to divide us and separate us into the, well, you know, I'm different than them and we're different. We do this. But, I mean, you know, common things that every, you know, everybody loves some good music. Everybody loves, you know, it's fun to dance. It's fun to move your body. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. And building a relationship with your body, it takes time. It's just Mm. like dating someone. Like you just (laughs) don't figure everything out on the first date. Like many of us have lived in our bodies for years, but we don't really know them or what they can do. Mm. Or many people don't feel safe or comfortable in their body. And a lot of the practices we're doing is like, let's get you in touch with all this stuff. Like how does your foot move? How does your wrist move? And then it can develop into like so many conversations from there. You know, it can be about strengthening or stretching or I don't know, all kinds of stuff. And plus just remove the mental block from it. Yeah. You know, if you choose not, like you said, Stephen, if you choose not to do it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But let's, let's hopefully take away all the other reasons why somebody doesn't want to participate in one of the, therapies that you provide yeah just like the same thing with you know strength training somebody doesn't want to walk into the gym because they're afraid they're gonna get made Mm -hmm. fun of or you know maybe they're heavy Mm -hmm. but you know that's what i i try to tell people don't worry go in there and do your thing it's gonna it's gonna be fine go over there and do your thing and things will work out yeah so how how do you guys prepare for I don't, it might, that for your skills, how do you prepare for a classic, say you're going to go up to Tehachapi, I'm just going to use an example, Tehachapi. How do you prepare for it? How do you think about what you want to provide? What's that process like? Well, I, uh, you know, we really try to teach to who's in the room is a saying that we like to use a lot. So every, every class is technically a little bit different, you know. I think there's general themes and intentions. So, you know, I, I kind of start there and I, I try to consider who I might be teaching to, which can be difficult in serving the community because you never know who's going to show up. Right. And uh, and it's a little bit different than when you're in a yoga studio and people have their yoga clothes and their water bottle and they know what they're about to get into and they're willing, you know, to, they're ready for the experience. But sometimes in the community events, you know, we might have, I, I had a couple times a young mother who had brought two young kids that were just, all over the place and being kids, you know, and it, we yeah. just dealt with it because, yeah. you know, if if what we teach can't help you in that kind of situation, in the real struggles of life, then I really don't see the value. There's value, but it's just pure aesthetics. And, and what we're trying to offer is things that can really, you know, help a young mother with two kids that doesn't know how to find inner peace or, or take a moment for herself. Um, and, and, and we try to, to teach to her, however, she can find her own best practice, you know, and, and we try to, 
meet the, somebody else who might be ready for some more advanced physical practices or want to go deeper, meet them where they're at too. Mm-hmm. So I think it really starts with understanding who you're teaching to, you know, and, and trying to speak and communicate in a way that the message will get across. Um, and then, you know, whatever the intention is, you know, there's a big misconception, I think, about yoga today that it has to be this really aggressive, hot, sweaty, you know, super challenging physical workout. And it certainly can be. And for people that uh, benefit from that and like it, it's awesome. But there's so many other layers to it. And it's kind of like, you know, you, you can't just be awake running and cycling and working all the time. We have to sleep in order to stay alive and, and right. maintain sanity, right? Yeah. So a lot of your, uh, the practices we teach are kind of like the other end of the spectrum. You know, you go ride 20 miles, it's really, it's really going to benefit you, or 20 miles, probably more like 80 or 100 or something, right? And if you're training for, I don't know. Yeah, but, can be. <laughs> yeah so you go on a big, a, big, a big ride to train for, you're, you're literally doing minor damage to your body, you know, mm-hmm. your muscle tissues and stuff like that. And we all know the value of recovery. Well, yoga is a great way to recover where you don't need anything except the space to, to be on the floor and move around a little bit. And, and not only that, but versus, you know, doing cold therapies or having a trainer kind of work you out. When you're doing yoga, you are doing it. I learned how my knees work. I learned the relationship between my own joints, my own limitations, my lack of mobility, or so on and so forth. And, and that, like Catherine was talking about, knowing yourself is really one of the, I think, the the most uh, you know essential parts or val- the most valuable parts of a, of a yoga practice or what we teach. Yeah, and so you can bring the intensity up or mm-hmm. take it back down as needed, and that's something we really do try to teach, like to people. And um, you know, we do teacher trainings as well as right. our classes and stuff, and that's something we try to stress to our teachers and training is. Um, learning to customize the practice is one of the biggest values. And so always giving options too. So when we're teaching to a community of people, like you may be teaching one pose, but you give three options. So it's kind of like a mild, medium, spicy, or a gentle, kind of hard, really hard, you know, option always. And then that lets people cater to what they need for that day and really trying to empower them to that taking, you know, in our culture, if you take the easy way, how it seems like a failure, but it's not because if you're listening to your body and that's what your body needs, you're going to be victorious at the end of it. You're going to feel amazing, and that's the most important thing ever. That, so yeah. how does a how does a group or organization? I mean, I know they you know they look up White Wolf Wellness and they can find you, but how, do they look at a menu? How do they tell you what you want? What they well, want you to do? How does we're that the work? professionals, so we <laughs> we no 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 we <laughs> ask questions for sure. Right. But like yeah, yeah. you know, we have time under our belts too. We've been doing this for a while, so I have twenty years this year. You know, in this industry, Stephen has I forget what is it? I've been practicing for 15, fifteen years. Yeah. Like, so we've been around the block a little bit. So. Um, you know, people may come like, oh, I want this. Like you start asking them questions um, and get to the root of really what they might need. You start assessing their body the minute you see them, how they're walking, how they're standing, how they're breathing. And the questions are targeted too to figure out more information than maybe what they think at first. So we're also assessing, well, what's their stress level like, all these other things, and then creating a practice based off of you know, what you gather from speaking with them. If that does that help totally. kind of give you a better picture? Yeah, and I want the listeners to know too, because yeah. they're listening and hey, I wanna Yeah. Something I wanna check out. I want yeah. them to know, you know, what yeah. you've got going on. Yeah. Everything you can do. Yeah. 
in, gen- in general, our community classes are a little bit on the on the uh, the safer, simpler side of things, more yeah. accessible side of things, yeah. I should say. Because, yeah. like you said, we never know who's going to be there. And you know, my teacher had a really nice saying. He actually said, you know, ideally, what if you just, when you were 18 years old or wherever, whenever you were in your prime, if you just did the minimum it took to stay there every day, instead of push, 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 you know break these limits, you know, and, and create injuries, potential things that are going to bug us later. What if we just maintained, maintain? And you did that when you started when you were 18. And then when you're 50, if you're still as, as, as sharp and as <laughs> comfortable and in shape as you were when you were in your prime, hey, that's awesome, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of value, too, to just kind of accepting where you're at, you know, appreciating your life not as this moment or something that you need to be, but as a whole spectrum, a story, you know, that's unfolding. And and, and and you want to you know consider uh, all of the pieces of that story you know I, I think to really get um, the most value out of your experience <laughs> you know yeah and one thing to kind of go into that a little deeper so our teacher training it's a the the program we developed we call it the art of living and dying okay and kind of just to go into that a little bit more mm-hmm. like. We want to live well, like Stephen and I. We want to live well, you know. Um, we like to play, we like to sit and be serious. I mean, we like it all, and we want to be able to do it as long as we're on this planet. And so, the, a lot of the practices we teach kind of are geared towards that too. Like, we're not really into a lot of the acrobatic, more physically challenging aspects of yoga. We like to challenge. We like to create resistance. We do a lot of joint mobility, mm-hmm. breath work strength training kind of focus on the practice because we just want to feel good mm-hmm. now until, I don't know, our last breath. And how long do you normally spend with the group? What's a, Usually what's an hour, but... Usually an hour. 30-minute sessions can be really effective too. Yeah. Totally. I just did one for Mission Bank this morning, their Wellness Wednesdays. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so we did a blend. We do a blend. Uh, or today we did a blend because they kind of were like, hey, we really like it when you do this, but we also want some of this today. And it was like, <laughs> done. Easy, easy. Let's do this. Yeah, so um, when they start becoming repetitive yeah. customers, of, yeah. for lack of a better ter- term or client, that's when you can really start getting into the groove and figuring yeah. out which yeah. direction this group needs to go. Totally. You know who you're teaching to. But these groups must be so diverse. Well, yeah, like, I mean, that's you, pretty fun. So, oh, I was I, doing, oh, I'm sure that yeah. would be fun, but do you step back <laughs> with each other and say, okay, like when you get home or wherever, you, you know, and say, okay, this group, as fun as it is, it's a difficult group just because of such a spectrum of ability or flexibility whatever it's like it must it must take a lot of time to say okay on the next session we are going to do this to try to incorporate everybody yeah we share a lot of our i think our our techniques and our experiences mm-hmm. and learn a lot from you i know i've learned a lot from Catherine for sure um and and i mean you know it's it, i want to i, I want to say this carefully but it's it's easy to teach these things to people that already have experience with them it's very. It's another different thing to try to offer and expose people who've never seen this stuff before, who never have. Oh, I can control my emotions just by slowing down my breath. Whoa! Had nobody ever told me this, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. um, oh, if I exercise and move and I do this stretch this way, I can get rid of this nagging pain in my neck that's been there my whole life. Like, whoa! Nobody ever told me this, you know? And those kind of aha moments, I think, are the real gold. What we're after, but I mean. 
th this stuff works for everybody in its own way. I mean, it's very effective. We have data that we've taken to back mm -hmm. that up. Um, professional athletes are doing this. I was doing regular sound baths for the Condors last season. Every month we'd bring them in and our studio would look so small because those guys are huge. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I think like the smallest guy was probably like 6'3 or something. You know, hockey yeah. players are big, big boys. Yeah. Um, you know, every working with them, I, I use similar techniques, but convey it in a different way and a different message, you know, through a different language kind of with them as I do with Elijah, this 10-year-old boy who had a lot of health difficulties and I was basically teaching him how to breathe effectively because... All he knew how to do was pant, literally, had yeah. a lot of yeah. issues. And so it, it just, it works, you know. Um, and I don't know, we just are very passionate about sharing that to as diverse anybody, you mm -hmm. know. So right. that's why I think our clientele is so diverse. Yeah. Professional yeah. athletes, uh, elderly. Catherine, who was your oldest client? 97, she passed <laughs> 97. away. Yeah, oh. but... 97. Still doing yoga. She could touch her toes. Yeah, she's Rocket. amazing. I can't touch mine, so <laughs> she has my butt kick. Yeah, she's incredible. So you mentioned sound bath a second ago. I, what is that? Let's get oh. into that a little bit. Oh, is this not my favorite thing to talk about? <laughs> um, no, you know, the first time I went to one was back in like 2007 or 2006 in Chicago. And, you know, I went to this yoga studio that I was working at at the time and uh, heard about this thing called a sound bath and see a little picture of this guy in all white and all these huge gongs, you know, these big metal gongs, you know. And uh, I was so curious and I went and I was just blown away by the experience I had, you know. I mean, I've, I've done lots of different types of psychedelics, you know. I mean, I've had lots of different variety of experiences, but a sound bath was one of the purest kind of most, most luminous relaxing, inspiring things I'd ever done. Um, and, you know, there was only positive side effects after, you know, I, it's kind of like having several uh, uh, dreams where you're kind of awake in them. You know, you enter into this uh, really amazing mental space. Uh, and, and so I was hooked and I started, you know, anytime I heard about one, I'd go. And then when we moved out here and started the studio, we both knew that that was going to be a big part of what we did. And we connected with who later became our mentor, this gentleman named Sean, who lives out in uh, San Luis Obispo area. And yeah, his business is original, original frequency. frequency. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. He's been doing it for like 20 something years. Yeah. And uh, we were just blown away by him. And uh, please teach us, you know. He, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and so he did. He started teaching us. And then, you know, I, I get pretty obsessive with things that are really, I'm really passionate about, interested in. So I just dug deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and haven't stopped. And, uh, and the more I deep, the more, the, the deeper I dig, <laughs> uh, the more amazed I am about the power of sound and vibration. You know, it is everywhere. Literally everything is in some sort of vibratory state. Um, we hear sound waves and, and use them to define the space around us, uh, to communicate with each other. Um, you know, if you hear a loud crash behind you, it alerts you, you know, I mean, we're very, sounds a very important par yeah. uh, part of our sensual experience. Not only that, but um, vibration in itself, uh, we use it to heal with, you know, ultrasound. We can see through our bodies with it. You know, it, it doesn't just affect our ears and listening in your, in, to a song kind of way, but it, it affects your tissues. Um, and yoga has been studying this, this kind of deeper effect of sound in the human experience for ages. They actually, there's a part of yoga or a type of yoga or school of yoga called nada yoga, and it's the yoga of sound. Um, and 
you know, that's kind of where OM comes from, you know, is this connection, this idea that we all have our own unique frequency and voice that connects to the sound of the universe. And uh, I could talk for an hour about that probably, but back to sound healing, um, this has been proven through science, you know, more recently as we have measurements to, or instruments to measure these things and, and, and we've been able to explore it scientifically, but there's something called neuroacoustic resonance. And it's the fact that, you know, your, your thoughts, your synapses in your brain happen in waves. And we can measure that with EEGs. And it's very simple. You just put electrodes on somebody's, mm-hmm. you know, all over their head and you can look at the, the, the brain waves. Um, typical brain waves are usually below uh, 20 hertz, which is lower than the ear can even hear. You know, so they're kind of these slower type of waves, very low frequency waves, I should say. And scientists soon found out that, oh, there's different... Her, uh, frequency states for different mental states of being. When we're awake or active in activity, there's a certain wave state that's between a few hertz. When we're sleeping, um, there's a certain waves, wave state between a few hertz, and they can measure it very specifically. And to go deeper into the sleep state, because that's where they got really interested, was, oh, there's a different wave state when we're dreaming. There's a different wave state when we're in deep REM sleep. There's a different uh, uh, wave state when we're just about to go to sleep and just about to wake up. And they found that you can induce similar wave states in the brain by creating that same sound outside of the person or in the space. Mm -hmm. But how do we create a sound that you can't hear with the human ear? Well, there's something called binaural rhythms. And I don't know if you've heard about this too, but it's kind of the rage in helping people sleep and meditate. Uh, The CIA actually just, you know, they had this big document leak of 1,500 pages and a big part of their... Uh, or a decent chapter in that, that paperwork was CIA researching hemisync technology, basically using binaural waves to influence brain states. So it's proven to work. The CIA loved it, you know, and, and, they, and they basically saw really quick that it was a way that you could put someone's mind into a transcendental or a transpersonal state of being very similar to a dreamlike state yeah. without fully going to sleep. So you get to enter into your subconscious kind of like you do in a dream. Uh, sometimes it's weird and makes no sense, you know, just like a dream does. Sometimes there's amazing insight, just like there is in a dream. And so being able to create this space that offers somebody the opportunity to access that dream state can be incredibly healing. And just uh, it, sometimes it, it, it's hard because it brings up stuff, you know, like trauma or past experiences or some kind of pain or something like that. But it's, you're in a safe place for the brain to deal with it and to heal. And, and it's totally safe, um, it's really effective, and I absolutely love it. You know, and so. so is there, I'm pretty sure that could be a three-hour podcast by itself. Yeah. 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 I'd love to, I could talk about but all this. But there, is there a, a target person like, that you know of that would benefit the most, like, oh, if they anxiety or yeah. um, depression? Is there something specific that this really helps more than other things? Or is it definitely just pretty broad? Um, I would say in general, it's it's much better for relaxing, for lowering anxiety, for um, creating an extremely focused state. Yeah, yeah, and creativity too. Like yeah. sometimes, so and just to kind of talk a little bit more about the experience one might have. Like you come in, you're comfortable. We have blankets, bolsters. You know, you bring stuff. People like will bring like sleeping bags and pillows, just all the stuff from home to get comfortable, especially if they're experienced. They're just Mm -hmm. like, I'm ready. (laughs) And then you lay down, you get super comfy in the space. We decorate it each time, like whatever the theme is of the, you know, event. 
So it's beautiful, um, interesting to look at. Get comfortable, and then the sound begins. And so then the sound is what takes you through this journey. And people are just laying there. Sometimes people will move around. Yeah. Um, but then while you're laying there, too, like you may just have like all these insights. Like sometimes I want to get up and just start writing, and then I'm like, no, just relax, lay here. You'll you'll your ideas will stay with you, and just it's really cool. Right. Yeah. And how long how long is a session? They can be anywhere from through? 30 minutes, but typically they're about an hour and a half usually. Mm-hmm. Just because you know, we do, we don't just kind of like, it's not like a concert where you just kind of show up and they play. You know, there's much more of an introduction and intention. We usually do some kind of movement or breathing mm-hmm. techniques beforehand. Because, you know, all this stuff is real synergistic. You know, it really kind of, uh, you know, the breath helps your body and your brain relax and then you can receive the sound waves a little bit more effectively and mm-hmm. so it's a it's it's a big part of it you know we've been to our, our mentor that I was talking about earlier he would sometimes do tea ceremonies beforehand and yeah and other cool yeah. stuff like that so it's it's a it's a multi-sensory experience for sure um, and then afterwards we'll have different things set up so people can go around like yeah like have teas or pull cards or play the mm-hmm. instruments people always want to play the instruments because a lot of them are things people have never seen before too yeah, and right, they're like yeah. how did it make that sound <laughs> what yeah. was that and then yeah. so people come up and and people a lot of times too they'll just be like kind of spacey and so we we don't want them to rush off and get in their cars right away so yeah. it's kind of fun yeah afterwards too well, you mentioned something that is the perfect transition, breathing. Mm. Tell us about the, the breathing work you do. That's a huge part yeah. of what you do. And, you yeah, know, it's, definitely. It's so it's, Well, like everything the both of you do is super important, and you guys are so good at all of it. But, yeah, tell me about the breathing work that you're I think it's, uh, now. you know, the breath is a cornerstone of both Catherine and I's teachings and our practices. I, pre- we pre- I mean, I pretty much start every session with it, right? Mm-hmm. You do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, I think it's an, essential, it's an essential part of being able to access the rhythm of your thought, of your awareness, of where your mind goes. If you, if you think about it, you know, your breath has been there your whole life riding your wave of emotions and actions. It changes when you laugh. Your breath changes when you cry. Your breath changes when you're running, when you're sleeping, when you're eating. You know, you're talking about if you're stressed and you hold your breath in, you know, the breath is sort of this uh, expression of us. It's the deepest expression of us. You know, it's the first thing you do when you're born, last thing you do before you die. And we can go a month without food, a week without water, but how long can you go without your breath? You know, we're just talking about it. Maybe a few minutes if you're a deep, yeah. if, if you're a yeah. diver, right. you know, but, um, so it's, it's crucial and, um, kind of like, you know, how some people, you know, most people are, are fortunate enough to learn how to walk, maybe run and jump. And then if you're really capable or, or you're into, have interest in it, maybe you become an athlete and you go a little deeper into that physical capability. Maybe you do that through high school, but then you just kind of, you know, stop, or maybe you are able to compete at a professional level or you pursue your whole life kind of like you are, you know? Yeah. Um, your breath is the same way. You know, most of us just kind of breathe and then forget about it and just think, well, it's just happening. I don't, you know, what more of a relationship can I have with my breath? But to use that metaphor, you know, and I know there's a lot of athletes that listen to your podcast, imagine the difference between somebody who's never trained or worked out and somebody who's been doing it for 40 years. You know, there's things you can't even have a conversation with them about because they just wouldn't understand. But And right. the breath is that deep. Um, you know, the rhythm of your breath is probably, I think, the most important thing to master or to, to understand. And, and to highlight it, 
you know, it, notice how it changes with your emotions. When you're crying, when you're laughing, the speed, the rhythm, the cadence of it is what changes usually. So if somebody can learn to, to master the cadence and the rhythm of their breath, they have direct access to their nervous system. And specifically, they have access to transitioning out of the sympathetic nervous system state of being, which is fight or flight, you know, stressful, um, which can be helpful, but if we're in it too much, it's harmful. It creates harm to the yeah. body. We can transition with a slower breathing rhythm out of that and trigger the vagal nerve response, which basically slows us down into rest and digest, heal and renew into the parasympathetic nervous state of being. The breath is the only, and I want to highlight this, breathing techniques have been the only 100% proven effective method to reduce the physical symptoms of anxiety and panic attacks. Medication isn't 100% for everybody, and it has harmful side effects, but uh, there's been lots of studies about this. You can look it up. People who have undergone a certain amount of training time to, to learn the pro processes have 100% effectiveness when they're triggered at slowing down their heart rate and, and falling back into that parasympathetic state. And, and that's important, especially in today's world where we live in. I mean, just driving your car is stressful, you know, yeah. not to mention taxes and elections and like all the other stuff that COVID and, you know, and um, so it's, it's I, I, I think it's essential and I want anybody who might benefit from it to have access to just some simple techniques that can help you control the rhythm of your breath. And then if you want to go deeper into it, then there's all kinds of other practices that can take you deeper into you know, the psychobiological connection between your, your breath, your body, and your mind. So speaking of practices, do you um, practice a certain discipline or yeah. multiple disciplines? What, and yeah, what's I've, the name of the discipline you, you practice or work on? I've, uh, I've tried a, a lot of different techniques. And, and really, I think anytime you're paying attention to your breath mindfully, it's beneficial. You know, it's, it's hard to think about, you know, unless uh, you're hyperventilating or, or some, something similar to, about a breathing technique that could be really harmful for you. Um, but uh, I, I, I guess in general, I'd say I, I practice pranayama, <laughs> which, is, which are, are basic yoga breathing practices. I shouldn't say basic. They're, there's very advanced pranayamas also. But it's, it's simple in nature. It hasn't been phantasmagorized. <laughs> hasn't been uh, created into this Blown big spectacle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like some of the other breathing practices have, I think. Um, and, you know, ideally I want everybody to find what's effective for them. I found that these are the most effective for me um, because they're simple in nature, but that simple nature provides unlimited complexity. Um, you know, and and they're time-tested for thousands of years, you know, and they're, they're kind of handed down to me by my yoga teacher who has taught them from mm -hmm. some of his teachers. And... Uh, and they work. So in general, here I, I could just kind of share a brief description of the three practices I primarily do every day. Right. Um, yeah, we definitely want to hear it. Yeah. So there's a, a technique called the ujjayi breath, which I won't go into, but it's basically a nasal sigh, and it allows you to extend or limit the, the, the length of your breath in and out. Okay. So, you know, uh, I could breathe in, in and out. You know, but if I apply the ujjayi breath, it's much easier because I'm basically kind of sighing the breath in and out. You know, as an inhale, as an exhale. And just to kind of tap into the, the simple nature of these, everybody sighs. Mammals, most mammals sigh. It's a natural way for the human body to relieve the symptoms of stress. So if I can incorporate a sigh into my normal breath, I'm automatically sending signals to my nervous system to relax. 
to, it's, it's, it's all good. You're safe. You know, you're safe and sound. Yeah. So typically I start warming up my Ujjayi breath and I start doing breath counting and I, and I have a ratio that I go to. It's very similar like box breathing that, you know, the Navy SEALs talk about and, and stuff where you basically create a ratio that's one-to-one ratio of the rate that I inhale and the rate that I exhale. So I, if I breathe in for five, I'm going to breathe out for five. If I breathe in for 10, I'm going to breathe out for 10. And I try to be, you know, I have a pretty good cadence by now after teaching this for so many years. Um, and then, you know, I, that really warms up my system, creates a lot of heat. Uh, and then I'll do Kapalabhati, which is the skull shining breath. And, you know, my lungs are, are really warmed up now. And, you know, your lungs are one of the biggest detoxifying organs in the body. So you kind of, if you have any mucus or anything, you can, it can kind of come up to the surface there. And Kapalabhati is basically short bursts of air using just your diaphragm. And it really cleans out your lungs, cleans out your throat, energizes your nervous system, heats up the body, strengthens the diaphragm. Um, and we have videos on this online. You can check it out on our website. So I don't have to demonstrate it here. It's kind of, it would be really weird on a podcast probably if I started doing <laughs> Kapala Bhati. But, you know, I'll do a few rounds of that and that's really intense. And then I usually, I'll, if I have time, I'll typically do Nadi Shodana, which is alternate nostril breathing. And it's using uh, breathing ratios, you know, so I'll breathe in for a certain amount of time and then breathe out for a certain amount of time. But the difference is I'm breathing in one nostril only and then out one nostril only. And then I'll alternate and go back and forth. And you can add breath retentions in there too, which is another big thing I do, you know, um, holding the breath in for a certain amount of time and also, also holding the breath out for a certain amount of time. But that, that's where the practices can get kind of a little more advanced. And, um, you know, not that you can seriously injure yourself or hurt yourself doing this, but I have experienced uh, the negative side effects of an unbalanced practice. And just as in, you, if you drink five cups of coffee, you might become an irritable, annoying person for a little while. If I, if all I did was Kapalabhati, that practice that's really fire and energizing, I can become too fiery and too energized and kind of, you know, manic a little bit. Okay. So, so it, I have found it's important to to create a balance. You know, um, kind of like you know, the the best athletes, the best fighters usually aren't people who are all obnoxious and overly passionate. They're cool. They're in the flow. You can't phase them. You know, there's a cool video going around of Kobe Bryant right now, just how unfazable he was. Like, some, you know, a basketball game and somebody tries to, you know, juke him and throw a basketball right in front of his head and he doesn't even flinch. You know, it's like an inch away from him. Yeah. Just that sort of calm, steady state of focus is, to me, is the highest state of, of mental awareness, you know. And, and you don't just, some people, I think, maybe do just have it. You know, some of the, the greatest athletes and, and leaders and, you know, artists and stuff like that. But for me, I have to work at it. You know, it's something that I have to practice, and that's why we call these things practices. My breath practice isn't just so that my lung capacity and my cardiovascular work well. My breath practice is so that I know how to master my emotions and my mind, and I can stay calm and cool through more situations. And I'm, I ain't perfect, <laughs> you know, but I, I definitely notice a difference when I'm regular in my practice. I'm a much more in the flow, calm, cool, creative, collected person than if, yeah. I, if I'm not able to practice for a while, I, I can kind of slip and get tossed and turned in the turbulence of life. So that's why I think the breathing practices are, are to me one of the most essential things we can do to just evolve individually as people because it, it teaches you about yourself. Man, just listening, <laughs> just listening to you and both of you, it's like you guys are the decathletes of preventative <laughs> health, you know, health. <laughs> like you guys do so much. It's, yeah, I... I you know, and we're going to keep Thank going. You. you know, I want to get into yeah. massage, which, Catherine, you were mentioning, you know, there's a 
definite difference between the Thai massage and table massage. Mm-hmm. Let's get into that. Yeah. Well, um, I started getting into massage for myself. Um, I had Lyme disease as a child, and it was it caused a lot of pain, and nothing seemed to help like massage could. And um, I just always had an interest in anatomy. I went to school um, for a little bit to be a nurse, and I realized that wasn't the type of healthcare system I wanted to be part of, although I love the sciences and I love anatomy and physiology and all of that. Um, so I'm, I turned into a massage therapist, and it's such a huge world out there. I mean, there is uh, just so many different areas one can go, and one of my favorite places to work is um, in Thai massage. So Thai massage is so many possibilities when I work with my clients. Um, you're fully clothed, you're on a mat on the ground, and I take you through a series of stretches as well as massage techniques. And I can just do so much. I can incorporate active release technique. I can incorporate like cupping therapy, hot stone therapy. I can still do like, you know, oil massage and the, the techniques that you can do like on a table, on a Thai mat. I can take people through so much more range of motion things. Um, sometimes I'll use straps and do tractioning and it's just, it's so much fun. And it's um, it's a deep and vast and ancient practice and there's so much to it and so much history and people have been like yoga doing this for thousands of years. So there's just so much to learn from too and take from yeah, I can see other it. masters. Yeah, because I've gone through a session with you and it just yeah. seems like the possibilities are endless they really are just you learn that person's body how they're reacting to it and yeah maybe i can incorporate this or do that yeah and there's something about main maintaining like steven has touched on it you know like with his teacher saying if you were 18 and then you're 68 like if you could maintain what you had then wouldn't that be great um you know a lot of massage therapy and with thai massage we work on energy channels in the body they're called sen lines s-e-n not s-i-n and um you know through those energy lines there's also big muscle groups and connective tissue all along those energy channels and so as i'm massaging i get to check in with your body and i can start to feel like okay um, the ropier part of your lateral hamstring is really starting to tense up right now. So we're going to spend a little bit more time working in your IT band. And, you know, like um, you start to see because your body is ever changing. And depending on what you're doing in your life, you know, it gets affected differently. So um, for, I, I love when I have consistent clients. And luckily I do because it, I can help them maintain like a higher quality of living in life. You know, when I get to see yes. them regularly because they're not going to develop tension points. They're not going to develop as many imbalances and and then they'll live longer, healthier, happier lives. And I love to do, be able to do that. Yeah. They're, on, so they're on the floor playing with their grandkids instead yeah. of you know, sitting yeah. in a chair watching them. It's, yeah. it's a different. Uh, yeah, that's you know? a great point right there. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. definitely a lifestyle changer. We've covered so many disciplines, therapies that you guys do. Uh, Yeah, we can make this a five-hour podcast. It's amazing to me. But do you you benefit when you're teaching, you know, sound bath or yoga? Do you notice, or are you just teaching? Are you too deep in your concentration on where this is headed next, what I have to do? Any benefit? Um, You know, there definitely is benefit, um, but... 
it's still, yeah, like you, you have to hold the space and you have to be aware. And when teaching in person, you know, before COVID and you have 20 people in the room, um, part of the joy of being a yoga teacher is getting to go around. Like for me, I love customizing and giving like one-on-one adjustments throughout the practice. And so I'm up, I'm down, I'm up, I'm down, I'm lifting an arm, I'm moving a leg. And so that can kind of get tiring, but there still is benefit you know, like, cause I get to demonstrate. So I get to show movements with my arms or forward folds or chaturanga. So I still get little stretches throughout the day, a little bit of strength training throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I still get to listen to the relaxing music and, and if I'm stressed out, then that's not going to be an effective yoga class. So I also have to stay chill, you know? So there's benefit for sure. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Like during sound bath? Yeah. Yeah. Totally, because you know I'm I'm in the same wave pool as everybody else. Yeah. You know, most definitely, um, it definitely can be a little more draining performing and providing the space than it is to receive it. You know, if you're on the right. receiving end, just going to one. But that's a lot of that's just because of all the preparation that goes into it and carrying everything in, setting everything up, and then tearing it down. And you know, it's a lot of physical work. We move around in the lot in the space too, which is kind of cool thing about going to one of these events is that. I mean, we're bringing the instruments in your sound field and you're going to feel the vibrations and that takes energy. (laughs) So, um, gongs are heavy. (laughs) Yeah, they're heavy. But I'd say at the, at the end of it, when I get home, you know, I'm very just cathartically relaxed and at peace and just very, you know, like after you accomplish something, you know, like uh, it took a lot of effort, but not too much. You feel good and then you bounce back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Each of you individually, what would be, what's your favorite? way to rejuvenate what's your favorite thing to go through oh man there's so many john i figured but i absolutely love taking baths and i do cbd bath bombs from quartz trading company which is a woman-owned local company here i love taking cbd baths that's just one of those things where you know i have like my candles and my lights and just make it so comfortable and that's just a nice way to you soak, and then the CBD soak into your body, and it gives back. And then gardening, getting my hands in the dirt. Mm. That's the other way I there rejuvenate. I need it. Yeah. Yeah, I I like to do a little meditation and breath work. You know, if I can get 20, 30 minutes in that, I mean, it's like the most therapeutic thing in the world for me. It's either that or playing music, you know, just improv- improv- ugh, improvising on my own, you know, yeah. and just kind of letting spirit speak through whatever instrument I might be playing. Um, and I've been doing a lot more composing lately the last year because I've had to put a lot of the sound bath, sound healing things online because of COVID, which gave me a chance to really understand a little bit more compositionally about what I'm doing. So I've been studying and learning and it's so meditative for me. I just love sound. So it's, mm-hmm. I, I usually that's, serve myself some of that if I... That's your go-to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we just got an English bulldog puppy. Oh, she's so She's pretty, pretty therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> she just sucks you in and then nothing yeah. else matters. Yeah. They do that. Yeah. So our animals are a big therapy part yeah. for us too. I think. Right. Yeah. That is yeah. nice. Yeah. They, are, they are that way. Walking yeah. in, it's like everything's good. Yeah. 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 So for, for somebody that does the more traditional, I, I don't know if that's the right word, traditional, but, you know, something like me. Go in and weight train most days, do cardio days here and there. How would you recommend I incorporate some of the things you offer into my life? Yes. Because there's only so much time. 
Yeah. It's like, okay. But how would somebody like me, how would you recommend it? What do you recommend? I like to tell all my clients and everybody something I found for sure is that a little bit often goes a lot longer and is more effective than doing a lot all at once. You don't really need to do an hour yoga practice every day unless you really want to and you have that time. I think it's more effective to, you know, use what little time you may have to get a little practice in. If you stretch or do some, just do a few yoga stretches Mm -hmm. for 10 minutes twice a day, that's going to be more effective, I think, than doing an hour practice. And, and you'd be amazed at how, you know, we find time to brush your teeth, right? Takes a few minutes, brush your teeth, wash your face. How come it's so hard or so abnormal to find five minutes to just breathe? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, I think a lot of it is just like starting small and making it work with your life. Instead mm-hmm. of trying to change your life to fit this thing into it, you know, look for opportunities where it, it might help you. Even, you know, let's say you're going to the gym and it's not probably very conducive to try to sit and meditate and do some breath work at the gym. But what if you just sat in your car and did five minutes of breathing before you went in there, you know, and just kind of cleared your mind, focused. And if you're a competitive athlete, this stuff translates directly to your competitions. You know, being able to sleep the night before, getting focused and not over-anxious, you know, right before a big event or something like that. It can be really beneficial. So Mm -hmm. that would be my suggestion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, doing things in smaller intervals can be really effective. But I would ask, like, what hurts? Feet, knees, hips, shoulders? What's been bothering you? Depends on the day. Depends on the day. (laughs) And then, like, we do a lot of... um, joint mobility stuff yeah. mm-hmm. and I feel like those in every class we always start with breath and then we start moving into joint mobility just warming things up and like there's some that hit all the body like the whole yeah. body yeah. and so those are my go-tos like I'll just do a couple of those if I just have five minutes in one day or I'm about to go like plant four trees outside and I know I need to stretch but I don't want to take the time because I'm human um, I'll just do a couple of these things that get the shoulders, the back, the hips, the knees all at the same time and then boom just go and then you get hooked and then sometimes you start doing it and you're like oh this feels so good I don't want to stop Right. right. so just find something that you like that feels good to your body and repeat and then you're more likely to keep repeating it that's Great advice right there. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah, joint, joint mobility has, I think, become one of the most important parts of my practice for sure. And mm-hmm. what we teach in our teacher training and um, and anybody that performs or is an athlete or has injuries, it's it can be a life changer. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Good. Yeah, I, t- I took this workshop with somebody who's a pretty big name now, Ido Portal. I don't know if you've come across him. He's a movement specialist teacher. He was Conor McGregor's movement Check him trainer out. for a while. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And a brilliant mind and philosopher about just living and moving your bodies. He's like a Bruce Lee type of figure. I'm not kidding you. Um, uh, He offers this workshop called The Corset. And it's all about joint mobility. Three days, 12 hours a day, all about joint mobility. And he has traveled the world for, I think he traveled the world for like 17 years before he started teaching this stuff and picked up things from... You know, jujitsu, Romanian gymnasts, uh, I, I, all over the world, capoeira dancers, and and he put together this workshop, and basically it starts you to it gets you to start thinking about your joints as a corset, versus two things meeting like this. Okay, it's everything that's traversing those two things. So what's above and below, and how can we get those things communicating better? You know, and so much of joint mobility isn't just being strong or or being athletic. But it's having a balanced uh, relationship between 
all the points, all the links in the chain, right? If, uh, you know, if I'm, if I only do back, but I never work my chest, you know, it's going to create problems. Or if I only do my chest and I don't ever do my back, you know, it creates, and, and so yeah. we want balance and symmetry in the body because it's more conducive for longer term health and, and mobility. And, and the joint mobility we teach is all based about that. It's about creating a healthy, stable joint. And I mean, how many times has it saved us from a sprained ankle or yeah? Sometimes like we'll do something, something stupid like, and be like, "Thank God for yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yoga saved my ass today." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's another one like breathing too that just everybody can access. You know, whether mm-hmm. you're an elite athlete or you're 80 years old, just yeah. practicing joint mobility every day is a huge game changer. Man, you guys offer a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean. White Wolf Wellness is a lucky organization to be out there, you know, yeah. to have you guys leading the charge. Anything Thanks. new coming down the coming down the line in that organization? Oh yeah, for what sure. What so, do you got? well, what since you got? COVID, so we're we're pretty much all online, and then we're doing events, you know, for people in their homes and private lessons, private lessons like and that. things like that. Like the sound <clears> events; <throat> those are fun for like birthday parties and you know special events. And but yeah. the newest thing that we're doing, and I'll let Stephen <laughs> talk about it because this is his passion project. And you know, we're grant funded for most of the things we do, and this is one of the things we got grant funded for yeah so thanks to the alfred harrell or virginia and alfred harrell foundation uh we got a grant for our newest project called the ambulance and that's o-m like you know the yoga word om or oming or chanting or the symbol om um, which is multi-dimensional has a lot of meanings won't go into that but the idea is the ambulance is a converted ambulance that we've already purchased and have started to renovate and work on um, to provide preventative care and wellness-based practices and instruction and sound events in the community for free. So it's going to be a bit of a branding tool, too, to try to get the conversation started about you know, the disparity between our emergency care and our preventative care and access to it, you know. We do a really good job in America and most developed countries of having excellent emergency care. You know, you break your arm or God forbid something tragic happens, an ambulance is the first thing you want there to help you. But why then is preventative care, which is so beneficial and proven to be very helpful at preventing emergencies, you know, um, why is there very little effort and, and opportunity for that, for us to access that, you know, unless you can pay for it, um, so on and so forth. Uh, so we hope to use this this tool to, to continue to bring our practices out to the public, but also create a little bit of a scene, you know, and have a little fun and change the the uh, change the paradigm of what you know all this stuff is, what yoga can be yeah. and, and how it can be accessed. Yeah, it breaks my heart when I see people, you know, like oh my bad back, like well what have you tried? Like well I went to the doctor and they gave me these pain pills, like. So what have you tried? You haven't tried anything. Like there's so many ways you can rehabilitate yourself. And like it sucks that they have to get to that point and that there was never education or anybody talking to them about the fact that they could stretch and strengthen their back and how to do it properly. And I don't know, finding the right fit, you know, so that they'll actually come back and do it. Um, There needs to be more talk about that. Like we don't one day just get sick. Like you have to take care of your body. You have to take care of your mind. And if you don't, yeah, you're going to have problems. And if you do, you'll still have problems, but hopefully they won't be as severe and they won't be as often, you know? And I, I think you nailed it earlier. You said 
pick something that feels good and yeah. keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. You know, somebody who has a serious issue in some part of their body that needs to be fixed, you can't just go hardcore. Mm-hmm. can't just say, well, this athlete over here, this is how he keeps his well. Well, no, he's been, he or she, he's been doing it for a very long time. Let's work into that. Build the habit first mm-hmm. yeah. is what I think. Mm-hmm. And build that habit by picking something that feels good and do it again and do it again mm-hmm. do it again. Mm-hmm. Get the habit going first and then let's work the complexities into it. Let's work the harder things into it. You start off with the hard stuff, nobody's going to come back. Yeah. I mean, some might, like somebody like me who... Enjoys yeah, the pain. Have, yeah, we're just <laughs> challenge. Yeah. yeah. When I come back. But yeah. some people, they, yeah, build, build into it. And yes, preventative care, please, please, <laughs> with everything going on. Mm-hmm. You guys are hitting this so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting during COVID that they're, you just sit around, wait for the vaccine, you know, but like, well, what about the things we can do now? Like diet, exercise, breath work. Breath work. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Well, so I mean, I hope, have it's, those I hope it's a very, very, very long time before something like COVID comes around, but something else will. Yeah. At yeah. some point. And prepare yourself for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get yourself in the best condition for it. Yeah. Every way, mentally, physically. Mm-hmm. And I think the White Wolf Wellness Project is like the perfect thing to get people into it. Yeah. Like, let's get people started. Yeah. Well, thank you. I hope so. And, yeah. and with the ambulance, too, we hope to partner with people. And how can we help? How can we be, a, a you know, a helpful part of the good things, you know, some of the other people you've been talking to are doing? You know, uh, we hope to provide support and bring these things to to races, um, to yeah. the, you know, we want to we want to try to get more involved. When we had the center, we were kind of there, and we had a few you know relationships in the community that we did our grant work through. But I think now at the ambulance, we're going to go everywhere. Yeah, right. yeah you're right. going to see us everywhere. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really fun to drive around. It in, is. It's so. pretty fun. <laughs> right. So I, I want to thank you two so much for coming on, and thank you thank especially you. for everything you do for this community. It's I'm just always in awe of both of you, and. Uh, Whitewolfwellness.org, right? That's yes. right. Yeah. Or at White Wolf at White Wolf Wellness. Yeah. On uh, Instagram. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Thank you People, so much, John. Yeah. Follow them. Check out what they got going on. Donate. Please. We need we need things like this. And thank you again so much for coming on. Thank, thank you. Yeah. yeah. What an awesome interview experience that was. That was awesome. Yeah. Thanks.